Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to another episode of the College Muslim. Today I sadly do not have my co-host because he is out sick and no one from my team was available so we are doing this alone but um, I have a great guest today who I think is going to provide some insights onto her life which in turn might help some of you guys out and um, you might know her um, she's all over TikTok and social media creating amazing um, Islamic content that I think a lot of us benefit from but we don't really know her story so we're here to show you guys that um, so without further ado Safa why don't you introduce yourself and um, just say a couple of things about you and then we'll dive into some of the more deeper things right after that okay perfect assalamu alaikum everyone my name is Safa um, I'm 19 I'm going to be turning 20 in May of this year so I am in my second year of university um, I do live in Canada and I was brought up here pretty much my whole life um, I never went to a private school or any Islamic private school. I was, you know, in a public school, um, in elementary school is public, in high school, high school is public as well. Um, I feel like that's important to understand the dynamic further on to the podcast. Um, and yeah, I mean, you guys probably see me on social media. That's how, you know, everything from now kind of kicked in. So yeah, I'm active on Instagram and TikTok as of right now. Yeah, and we'll definitely dive into that. I definitely want to hear some of the social media stuff because I think that's a tool that you particularly have used that um, is actually really beneficial. I think that's something that people don't really realize is that it's just a tool. It can be used for good and bad. And um, I definitely want to dive into that later. But first off, um, so you kind of like talked a little bit about like your schooling and et cetera and all that stuff. Did you have an Islamic environment while growing up um sunday school like i mean i guess we do sunday school but like did you do that did you go to an islamic school itself etc cetera, etc cetera? like what did that look like what was what was growing up like essentially okay so in canada we don't have a middle school so in elementary school i was brought up again like public school my entire life as for islamic um i was put into an islamic school that was taking place every saturday for a few years. Um, when I was like very, very young, I used to do Quran lessons. And then I carried into like when I did Saturday school, but I stopped doing that Islamic Saturday school when I was in eighth grade, like eighth grade was my last year of doing it. So going to high school, I wasn't in Islamic school at all. Um, as for my Muslim community, I lived in two separate locations of my city. And th both those locations were majority non-Muslim. So like we were the minority. Um, we do have a Muslim community. I just wasn't active in it, nor was I present in it. Like I would not go, you know, I'm sure there were events and everything, but I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't be attending here in anything. Mm -hmm. So it was mainly just like everything that I knew up to a certain point was really only built on what I learned in school. And again, my education for Islamic school stopped going into high school. Yeah. And going off that too, just... To be clear, so that means you did grow up in a Muslim family, right? Like I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. My family is Muslim, yes. Okay. I'm born Muslim. Amazing, Alhamdulillah. But I just want to make sure like people understood the background yeah. context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, so um right now you're in college then, right? Or university, yes. I guess. They yeah. I know you guys use it like synonymously, but yeah, I'm in my second year of university. Um plan is to graduate two years from now, so finishing my fourth year soon. Um We'll see what I keep changing the plan with my degree. I have a major in business and I keep changing what I might minor in. So we'll see how that goes with job law. Yeah, don't worry. I think we're on. <laughs> I changed my major twice as well as my entire life track. So it, it happens, you know, it, you, it, figures, it figures itself out. Um, 
but yeah, I, I wouldn't stress too much about that. Um, but yeah, okay, so we're gonna go like a little rewind. We're gonna start from high school and then we'll come back up to this point, but we're gonna go a little bit more into detail on that. So in high school, you didn't grow up in a community that was predominantly Muslim. You obviously like with the schooling kind of like stopped the schooling as well. And I know we talked earlier about this, but at that time you were not wearing the hijab, correct? Correct. So throughout all of high school, um, I wasn't wearing hijab. I actually only put on hijab last year in 2021. So even starting university, I wasn't wearing hijab. To start chronologically, um, I think even going like way, way back since I was in elementary school, I was surrounded by like 99% non-Muslims. Like I might have been like the only Muslim for some of my classes. And as I grew up, you know, I get like an occasional few other people, um, but there it wasn't as diverse and the thing is when you're growing up you don't really take that any type of way it's kind of just like an observation but you don't think of it as much right like mm-hmm. i was never really able to understand like i knew i was different but i never felt excluded in any way mm-hmm. and i think as i was growing up 100 percent that influenced my mindset so like going into high school um my friend group was like a white friend group you know what i mean and in general, like we didn't have, again, that many Muslims that were in my high school, majority of them were white. And with that being said, I just want to preface, it's not like you need solely like, or if you don't have a Muslim friend group, you're, those people you're around aren't good people, right? At the end of the day, you can pick and choose to be around people who are good influences and people who are not. Mm-hmm. But um, I just felt like I was, I had an absence of islam islamic presence throughout growing up which is a it's so crucial you know what i mean when you're growing up and going through changes and going through different tests and whatnot i think it's so important to have islam there with you and when you don't really have that it's kind of harder to navigate of course i had people who i knew were muslim or whatever but i wasn't spending time with them because those friends who i were those friends who were muslim were not friends that went with me to my high school, mm-hmm. right? Because again, it was like predominantly white. Um, so I think because of that environment, Islam was kind of put in like the back burner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't really my, like, yes, I'd identify myself as a Muslim, you know, but people don't identify myself as a Muslim first because I don't even look Muslim, right? Not that mm-hmm. it has a look, but I wasn't wearing hijab. Um, it just, alhamdulillah, like my personality allows me to be very active and very present, but I wasn't really like holding on to the practices of Islam. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the sense where it's like, I always had faith. I always, always, always had faith. I always had my beliefs and whatnot, but I just think it's completely different when you're living an Islamic lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Like you ever heard of the phrase, like you can be born Muslim, but you always have your own journey to Islam. Yeah. I 110% believe that because I feel like I I was the one to go through that and stuff. Yeah. So starting high school, again, I know I'm Muslim, but it wasn't now. Okay. To make it a separate difference. Now I can say, oh, Islam is like part of my identity, mm-hmm. right? I want to identify first and foremost as Muslim. And that will encompass a bunch of other things of my identity. At the time it was like, oh yeah. And I'm Muslim. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, a plus to like my identity and my character yeah it's like sorry sorry but it's like it's just like structuring structuring your life around islam right like it's the same as like when you get your calendar is it that 
you put in the prayer times first and then structure your day around that? Or is it that you put in your day and then you structure your prayer times where they belong, right? Like either way, you're going to pray. But the question is, which method are you using to structure? And that's just like an extrapolation of like what you're saying, which is in a broader scheme, like life scheme is like, am I Muslim first and then everything else? Or am I just doing these things? And yeah, I'm also Muslim. And that does mean it's a part of everything you're doing, but it's just not the priority of what you're doing, right? And it's not like both, like, everyone's going to have their own, like, you know, area of life they're in and, uh, like, journey to that. And it's not, like, it's, like, a guaranteed thing either. Like, it's a very high-level iman that you need to have to, like, eventually get there. But you're never going to get there if you don't start small, right? So I guess that's where we're going to as well is, like, what was the kind of, like, predecessing things that kind of made that moment go, like, click like was it a click moment that kind of happened or was it more like those small things compounded and it became like a smooth transition because i am curious about that so like it seems like you know you're 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 getting to this point in high school like it's just not very prevalent like it's not like you're not muslim but it's not like it's like your prevalence like there's not like this love that's like resonating in your life with islam right so how does that how did that end up happening was it near the back end of college or at back end of high school or like early college like when when were those like clicks happening and what were you doing that helped that out? Okay, so um, I think you understand what kind of person I was <laughs> in high school. I'm like, when I was growing up, I was so impressionable. And I feel like I still am very impressionable to a certain case. You know what I mean? My environment will dictate um, how I think, like, especially like when you're growing up, you don't really have your own way of thinking solidified. At least I didn't, right? So if everyone around me or majority of people around me who I spend majority of my day with, right? Because I'm at school for like eight hours a day, every single day. These are the people I see the most. And majority of them are non-Muslim. You're exposed to a lot of like non-Islamic beliefs or non-Islamic ideologies or practices, anything along those sorts. Um, and because, you know, again, I would say like I'm very impressionable. I kind of more adapted that type of personality where it wasn't, the first thing I think of, like, you know what I mean? Again, it was on the back burner. Um, that kind of like, that was really the same kind of vibe that I had throughout grade nine, grade 10, thanks, grade 11, 2020, COVID hit, mm. right? And I think that was like the biggest turning point. It didn't happen like overnight, but that entire like span of COVID. So let's say it happened in March. Um, and this, ties into my social media as well. So I'm going to just encompass all that at once, right? So starting at the beginning of the timeline, 2019 of the summer, I downloaded TikTok. Later on that year in October, I start actually posting on TikTok, like random videos. It wasn't anything crazy. You know what I mean? It was just like trend videos or whatnot. Um, come March, one of my videos blow up. I get a following, have a few 10,000, and then COVID hits. I continue on TikTok, a few more things go viral. And then I get to a point of like 60,000 and I don't really have a passion for it anymore. So I kind of take a pause for about like six months. In those six months, the way that I just like had a whole, like I basically leveled up on my Dean um, and Islam. Like I think, I can't remember what it was specifically, but during that time I was kind of going through my own, struggles and i felt like i was bearing a harder time like mentally and covid when you're stripped away from everything that you're used to knowing so for me it was like my environment my school people from school and whatnot not saying that they're particularly bad people but it's just it wasn't the right environment that i needed for my best personal growth 
right? And when you when you are isolated from all that, like you're left with yourself. You have yourself, right? So upon that comes a bunch of self-reflection. You know what I mean? And COVID was really a turning point and making me really ground myself and readjust my priority list, right? What actually is meaningful in life to me? What are my values? What am I doing? You know what I mean? Like I really was kind of just so lost. Like what am I doing with my life, right? Yeah, I'm having fun. And I was overall like, it's not like I was a bad person by any means. Alhamdulillah, like I always had morals and values and whatnot. Um, but it's just, again, like it, if you're not living a lifestyle that revolves around Islam, it's almost like you're missing something. You know what I mean? And again, being alone as someone who's also very extroverted, very social, that grounds you in a very humbling way. And I think the only way that I was able to cope with that was turning to Islam. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, as 2020 launched, um, TikTok became something um, that I was still using during my break, although I wasn't posting, it was still something I was using. And the way that the algorithm works, obviously, you get things on your free page that you interact with most. I started seeing more Islamic content. And I think, you know, my want and my yearn to learning Islam and to finding Islam as like a coping mechanism for me and something fulfilling for me and seeing all this on my phone led to me being more curious. And that in turn led me to listen to more podcasts, to watch more videos, to learn, to read more Quran, you know what I mean? To pray regularly and all of those things combined. So come later on 2020, it's now November and I'm back on social media, I'm back on TikTok. This time I was here with a purpose, right? Before it was kind of just like, oh, I'm just gonna make whatever video. I, I don't know, I made like story times or something apparently amusing, I guess. Mm -hmm. This time I changed my content and I made Islamic content and like some Arab videos and whatnot. The Islamic content mainly revolved around like debunking beliefs that non-Muslims had or Muslims had that were incorrect or flawed and backing that up with hadiths, um, ayahs of Quran, anything along those sorts. Um, and in turn, like I was learning while I was making these videos, right? I would see something, I'd question it, do my research, make a video on it using what I learned. So it was a very like one-on-one, -on -one, like I benefited, a viewer would benefit, you know what I mean? And I think that 100% was a catalyst to my growth in Islam because that made me learn so much more and allowed me to continue making and making content, which again, would teach me a lot more and more and more. Um, from there, I think my platform literally just like boomed, like it just increased. I think it went from like 60 to 100,000 in March of 2021. Um, and it was probably around when I hit 100,000. Actually, no, no, I know it was around when I hit 100,000 where, you know, I'm now recognized on like the Muslim side of TikTok because that's what I've been on now, right? And, you know, people started questioning me on hijab. I was wearing hijab at this point, right? And I used to be the kind of person to think, Oh, hijab is like a long-term thought. You know, it's it's something far away. I don't have to think about it right now. It's not really something on my mind. Maybe when I'm done university or done whatever, or like approaching another stage in my life, that's when I'll start thinking about it, but it's not a now thing. I was that kind of a person growing up. Um, and I also wasn't fully educated on hijab too. Like if you asked me when COVID happened, like what's the exact reason? Like, why do we really wear hijab? Which I'll get into later. I wouldn't be able to give like the best answer, the right answer. 
right? Like in general, I just lacked kind of a reason or an understanding of it fully. Um, so people started questioning me on TikTok, like they're, or on Instagram too, like just wondering like, why, why don't you wear hijab? I had a specific Muslim creator reach out to me and say, and question me as well. Just, it was very, 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 um, he, it was just, it was n no ill intent. You know what I mean? There was nothing of ill intent. And this creator was asking me like, okay, what's the actual reason? And I found myself literally just making excuses, to be honest. I was saying, oh, you know, I'm not ready. Uh, like I'm working on it. You know what I mean? But then I was asked like, okay, that's, that's just an excuse. Like you have to understand what's the actual reason. And from that conversation, I think it really was the pivot point where I questioned myself and I was like, wait a second, why don't I actually wear hijab? Like I actually started questioning myself. I'm like, is it really because I'm, I'm not ready? Like you hear that a lot, like I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. But you have to dissect like, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? And you know, it's just so complex. Were you not ready because for me, I found, you know, after digging and thinking over and thinking over and thinking over, the reason why I wasn't ready was because I attached part of my identity to like my hair. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people would recognize me by it or whatever. And I felt really, really confident with my hair, but that's the problem. You know what I mean? I, I found that deep down, it was like an insecurity problem, right? I was not confident enough to approach hijab to take away from something that I thought made me like that much better, mm. right? Of course, what that led to was then for months on end, so it was from March to, I want to say May, throughout that time span was just me focusing on like building up my confidence because at the end of the day, right, hijab is, I think hijab is so beautiful, right? But it's just not something that someone would be used to, right? And you'll hear a lot of girls just say like, oh, but I'm going to miss my hair. What are people going to think? That's the point. It's not about what other people think right? It's not about um, like, yes, you're going to miss, maybe initially you might miss like showing your hair and whatnot, but that's not, that's not something that ever continues to stay. I think the thing that I tell girls the most is that you have to really understand why do you wear hijab to understand how to cope with all these doubts, right? Hijab in essence, again, I'm, I just want to preface, I'm not perfect. And I'm not a scholar, but the way that it's interpreted is that it's a submission to a law. Obviously, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Some people might have it easier than other people, 100%. Some people are going to find it harder than other people, 100%, right? But at the end of the day, it's a submission to a law. Like, you really have to submit yourself to a law. You have to understand why do we cover ourselves? Um, how is it? How is it? It's like an attest. Like, it's a way to extend your faith, mm -hmm. right? For me, as I was growing my dean and growing my iman, the next step became, you know what? Hijab, mm -hmm. right? And so again, by continuously working on my iman and on my confidence, and honestly, a lot of support online too, because I think a lot of people were seeing me go through these changes. I knew that this was like the right step for me, right? At the end of the day, and I've said this before, any experience that you go through any struggle that you go through and trying to do something for the sake of Allah because it was hard for me at first you know what I mean like even just thinking oh my goodness it's like a commitment and whatnot which honestly just take it day by day and slowly slowly you'll eventually be able to get there it's um when you do something for the sake of Allah Allah rewards you in ways you can't even imagine mm -hmm. right whether it's like 
ease at one point in your journey or in the akhirah, like it's going to come back to you. You know what I mean? And that's the whole point of the test. The whole point of the test isn't, you know, you can't expect to enter it with ease all the time. It's a test, right? People are going to have problems with their confidence and insecurities, or they're just not used to it, or it's really hot, or they are the only hijabi in their school, or like they get harassed. You know what I mean? Like there are so many different things that can happen when you wear hijab and all of those are tests, but you have to bear the test for the sake of Allah, not for anyone else. And that will bring you the reward of wearing hijab. You know what I mean? I think also the mindset too, like I had a really, when I was thinking about hijab, I was thinking hijab was like, oh, to take, you know what I mean? It takes away from me. Mm-hmm. Right. But I didn't realize that it actually gives, right. It gave me opportunity and it gave me hasanat and it gave me a new step to just pride myself. Like I'm a walking representation on Islam, right. I feel like I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So I'm just going to continue with the timeline. Um, so again, from March to May, that was something that I was working on my confidence. Right. Um, I think come May and I was like, no, no, you know what? Like, I actually do want to, like, I want to start prepping for wearing hijab. I feel like someone else reached out to me at that point and said, like, you know what? If you're not going to wear hijab now, at least, like, cover yourself online. Um, And I did. I took down all my stuff. I took down my pictures on Instagram, all my videos, and I started wearing hoodies, you know, just tying them up and whatever and posting on it from there. Um, Come June, actually, no, no, come July, or August, one of those months. No, no, sorry, it was July. I go to Libya, which is like where I'm from, for a month. And I was thinking about wearing it going into this trip, but I don't feel like I had the closet. And it was something that was kind of a bigger step for me to take. And I ended up not doing it. Upon my arrival back, I knew like I just I had something telling me, you know what, like you this is your time. You know what I mean? Like you're literally never guaranteed the next day, your next breath. One of my fears this entire time, right, going through this entire journey once I got closer to Islam, was knowing that I can die any second and I would die without wearing hijab. And I know that's like very strong to some people, but mm-hmm. it's really the reality, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day, I can't imagine myself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment and try to justify myself because there's no justification for it, right? Why, why didn't you want to wear hijab? Oh, because I wanted to please the people. Or the people are making me like feel confident. Confidence is all inside of you, right? You don't need anything external to feed your internal confidence because that's dependency, right? So I knew that this was something I really had to take. So come August and I try wearing it and I then face like a new obstacle where I'd now get off social media from August to the following April of 2022. Throughout this entire time, I was trying to get the support to be able to wear hijab and I was going through my own obstacles and whatnot um, of reaching that. And um, like mainly it was with, you know, family, they just wanted to make sure that I was confident about this and I was doing the right thing and they thought I was being impulsive and whatnot. And so that entire time was like building up to wearing it full time. And, and so I actually ended up getting the opportunity to wear it full time come April of 2022 or yeah, April, 2022. And alhamdulillah, since then, on April 2nd, I ended up wearing hijab. But like, it doesn't end there, right? That time, like, I think from the beginning of COVID, essentially, I was able to go into this whole phase of independence from 
people, like I really did detach myself from a lot of different people, from a lot of different, you know, sources of happiness or sources of excitement or this and that. Um, because you really, again, when it comes to the priority list, like it changed, right? Um, when I put on hijab, you know, at this point in April, I wanted to wear it, or I've been thinking of it at least for like a whole year, right? So you'd assume like, oh, that's what I did. I assumed, oh, it's going to be like a breeze. It's going to be fine. It's going to be so easy because I wanted to do it for so long. Absolutely not. It could not be further from the truth. When I tell you, okay, I don't know what to wear, number one. That was a whole thing in itself. And it was making me just, it was making it so much more difficult because I felt like I didn't know how to wear, especially with summer coming up. I didn't really have clothes that let me be able to survive in like this heat. And so I was wearing like layers and I was still wearing like these, like these jackets that would retain heat. And I was like dying out here. It was, it was incredibly hot. Um, and also I've heard this multiple times. Some people say summers are the hardest time for hijabis because it's not only heat, but it's also how other people are during the summer. Like a lot of, you see a lot of people getting like undressed or wearing certain things and you can't wear and whatnot. And for me, 100% transparency, I went through a really hard time in the summer at one point. And I remember I wasn't feeling confident. And it was weird because I still really wanted to wear hijab. I didn't love it any less than I did when I first put it on, right? And during that hard time, the only thing that kept me grounded into wearing it was remembering why I wanted to wear it in the first place, which came to, it's a submission to Allah. It's ordered by Allah. And at the end of the day, any hardship, right, is going to be rewarded to me in the sense where I know I'm doing this for the sake of Allah and Allah sees how I'm struggling and sees how I'm thinking and sees how I'm feeling. And when it comes to a point, you don't even have to verbalize it. You know what I mean? Like Allah knows you better than you even know yourself. And during that time, that, that, really just grounded me you know what i mean because it really did show me like i like you don't know how to anticipate certain struggles until you actually go through them mm. and that was the last thing i thought would happen to me right because again of everything that i go through i thought it was going to be just like an easy one two three and everything would ride smoothly but alhamdulillah after coming through that time in the summer i genuinely genuinely don't think i had a moment of doubt um, since then, not to say that it won't happen again, but rather that was just another way for me to realize how I can deal with it if it comes again in the future. And I think like looking back on the entire journey of wearing hijab, when you look back on any test, you, you get like realizations. My realization isn't the struggle of wearing hijab, right? Because I didn't have support and I was dealing with actually being able to wear hijab and being allowed to wear hijab and whatnot, or battling my nafs and, you know, not wanting to wear hijab because I thought I looked pretty or, you know, I was confident without it or whatever. No, like the real test was having to walk in Allah at one point when it came to the August of when I was actually trying to wear hijab. Um, a lot of people don't know during that break I had on social media from that August to the, you know, the April that I actually ended up wearing hijab. Those were probably the hardest like eight months I've had to go through. Right. Like you're dealing with, you know, yourself, your mental health. Um, you want to be on top of your dean and whatever. And you're trying to get closer to Allah by taking a step towards Allah, um, family. And when everything is just 
coming at you in different ways, you know, left, right, up, down, whatever. Oh my goodness. Like it breaks you down. I don't think I've ever gone to a point as I did during that time. Right. And genuinely, genuinely that showed me that at the end of the day, the only person you have and the only person you could depend on is a lost mouth data. Right. You will go through tests and you will be ripped apart. And the real test will be when you're at your lowest, what are you going to do? Who are you going to turn to? What are you going to depend yourself on? What's your coping, like what's your coping mechanism, right? If you're able to go through all that and you know what, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to cry in my, in my sujood. I'm going to just, I'm just going to vent to Allah. That will change. I think like literally the entire trajectory. Part of Tawakul is honestly making dua and having full trust in Allah, right? So here I am, right, making dua to Allah. And I'm like, oh, like, Ya Allah, like, please let me wear hijab, right? I want to wear it so bad. I like, I can't stress, like, I, to understand how much I was thinking about it, there was not one day where a minute would pass by without some type of thought about hijab. Whether I'm getting ready in the morning, I'm like, oh, this is something that I can't wear with hijab or this is something I can wear about hijab or I wonder how I can make this something, you know, similar or something hijabi friendly or how am I going to wear hijab with this outfit or how am I going to make this outfit modest? Right. Or like when I'm out, oh my goodness, whenever I was out thinking like, oh, there are people literally looking at me and I don't have my, I don't have a hijab on. Right. So I'm thinking in the back of my head about all these eyes on me and you know, the consequences of that and whatnot, or like, whenever you're praying, like your dua, my dua was literally geared towards, Ya Allah, like, please make this easy for me. Let the people in my life understand this decision that I'm making and help me into making it actually happen. And um, like that honestly is, you can't make dua and have doubts in it and then expect for it to be accepted, Mm. right? And I think me going through all this was just, testing to see, am I really putting my faith in Allah? Because it got to a point where literally nothing, nothing would help me except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and changing the minds of like my family, for example, right? There was literally nothing that I could do at any point. And it was just, you know what, Allah, like, please just make this easy for me, bring me ease and allow this to happen for the sake of you, right? And for the sake of me trying to fulfill my part of the deen. And subhanAllah, like when you genuinely, genuinely make dua like that, your du'as will be answered in ways you will never expect. And I've seen it, like you always hear this, you really do, but I've literally seen it. Like I remember just one random day I was sitting and then the conversation hijab came up and it was just, oh, like I'm going to be wearing hijab coming that April. You know what I mean? Like it was just complete 180 into the, what was my family's views to what is going to be my family's views. And you know, by that point, I've tried multiple times conversing about it, but subhanAllah, it wasn't even until that moment where I really did realize like, you know what, like this is literally my dua being answered. Like that literally was my dua, you know what I mean? And that goes to show, again, going back to that point, your du'as will never be answered unless you have full trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you have a doubt, then that's your test. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to make sure you have full tawakul in Allah? So I think, you know, obviously all that, like, again, going back to the summer, all those reasonings and going through all of that also helped me endure any challenge I faced when I actually did put on hijab 
and was kind of like struggling with that at one point, right? Generally, generally, like I have huge respect and big ups to any girl who's going through the process of starting to wear hijab, trying to wear hijab, even though people are telling her not to do it or not supporting her, or, you know, she's having her own battle with herself on, or someone who's close to taking their hijab off. It's not easy all the time, I promise you. And a lot of people really don't understand that. And I didn't understand that fully until I did it myself, right? And again, it just comes to grounding yourself and remembering that everything for your akhirah is a lot bigger than anything for the dunya, right? And that was something I repeatedly had to tell myself, like at the end of the day, it's not worth my akhirah, it's not worth my akhirah, it's not worth my akhirah. And, um, you know, I think on top of all that, remember how earlier I was saying that throughout high school, I, I found myself very impressionable. Throughout COVID, my group kind of changed from those groups from school to specific individuals in my life who were now Muslim. Like my closest friends became just like a Muslim girlfriend group. And I think 100% the people that you surround yourself with are going to, inf like, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. 100%, I, that's so true. I'm like with having friends who are good, you know, where you guys help each other grow, are the best kind of friendships to have. And when I changed, you know, who I was spending my time with, I've noticed it drastically. And sometimes you don't realize it until you get someone who's very Islamically conscious and Allah conscious in your life. And then you compare yourself and like, whoa, like I never once, you know, I, I didn't think about this at all when I was with XYZ, you know what I mean? Or I didn't like, none of our conversation looked like this with like these group of friends, but now you're suddenly talking about religion all the time with these friends. You're reminding each other, like you guys pray together, you guys, you know, make up your fast together. You talk about Islam, you talk about the ways of life. Everything results back to Islam. These little things contribute to the biggest of changes, whether you notice it or not. And for me, it was very, that part was very gradual, but it by far had the biggest influence on everything, right? My, like helping me get closer to Islam, helping me wear hijab, you know, the aspects and, you know, the perspectives of aiding my journey with Islam and aiding my journey with hijab. So like all in all, like you really just have to understand how different things in your life and growing up will carry you to the path that will benefit you most for your akhirah and use that to help the other people around you as well. Wow. SubhanAllah. Okay. That was amazing. I was so, I know, I was so entranced. I was just like, man, I have so many questions and like no questions at all at the same time. It's like, Hmm. Where to begin? First of all, like, I think the biggest thing that you said that I can kind of resonate with too is like, what people don't understand is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a, he doesn't have an agenda to draw you away from Islam, right? So everything that is said, everything that is decreed is supposed to make you closer to it, right? So, and shaitan's role is not to bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that doesn't mean that difficulty is only given by shaitan because difficulty can help you bring you closer to Allah SWT. So if you're going to turn back to him, and this is something I learned like I think early on in my, I also during COVID was like, that was my time too. I was like, wow, I am doing the wrong thing. Like I'm, I'm on the, this is like, what am I doing? And then I reevaluated myself entirely. But I, um, essentially that um, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put you to, through these things to bring you closer to him. And that's you having true tawakkal, is understanding that when you do do that failing, when you have that sin, when you have that moment of weakness, if you turn back to Allah, then it's not, it's it, it wasn't, like, it, it was supposed to be that way. Like, it was decreed that way, right? Like, it, um, it it's a method and way to get back. Like, that guilt can be used. Like, guilt is a tool, essentially, right? And depending how you react to it is what your um, um, result is. And I'm not saying that, that guilt exists with the hijab. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am generally, like, what I am generally saying is that um, we don't account for the fact that it's it's there for us. It's not there for anyone else, right? Like it's it's always. Yeah, like that's so interesting because like going off that point, um, like you really that all in all like really makes me understand like everything in life is truly a blessing. Everything is a blessing, and I've always said this like ever since that point. It's either a blessing or a lesson, and if it's a lesson, that's a blessing in disguise, mm -hmm. right? Use that lesson. Use something that wasn't good for you or something bad that happened to you, take the good out of it and apply that from now on and it becomes a blessing, mm -hmm. right? These are all things that Allah is giving you or, you know, also Allah tests the ones that he loves most, right? Everyone will have different types of tests to different degrees and thresholds that they can handle. But at the end of the day, like this is a way of Allah's mercy to number one, like ease upon your akhirah, like your afterlife, or even like, bringing you back to him right again i told you starting covid i was not close or as close as i should have been with the deen islam allah like all of these things in islam coming out of all this i've never been closer to it you know what i mean and that's why i always say like no matter how much hardship i endured in that time whether it's trying to get close to islam dealing with my mental health trying to wear hijab and how that affected literally everything. Like I quite literally would not be the person that I am today. If it wasn't for everything that I went through. And I genuinely, genuinely believe like it's, it was all just a huge blessing. It's like, it's like a barakah in my life. The, the fact that I'm, I'm just so thankful that I was provided an opportunity to come back. And, you know, there was something I heard a long time ago where it's like, if you, um, when Allah gives you a test, right. Again, like kind of similar to what you were saying, Tests sometimes are, they're not meant to punish us, right? Like they're only meant to provide good for us and help us turn back to Allah and give us ease and, you know, get rid of our sins and whatnot. How you deal with that test and the results and how you interpret that result will determine whether or not that test was a success or not, obviously, right? You take that test and you fail that test and you get discouraged and you turn away from Islam, that is actually a punishment. Whereas if you use that to get closer to Islam, that's a huge blessing and that's a huge mercy from Allah SWT. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I think that point on has permanently changed my perspective where it's like, I quite literally, no matter what is going on, you, you really just look at life differently. You know what I mean? You literally look at life where it's like, you know what? This is happening, but I know there's a bigger plan right now. This is all just small pieces in the game that that's switching around. And the bigger plan is always what's best for me. Everything that happens is the best of what's to happen, right? It's all willed by Allah, Subhanahu I trust Allah to give me what's best, right? Because again, it's not like Allah's trying to make us like run away, right? He only wants good for us. And I think 
that in an entirety is just something that literally builds your love. Like it literally just grows your love. It's another catalyst, right? You just, you, it's just so beautiful. SubhanAllah. Like I, I literally think about it all the time where it's like, now you don't get out the mindset of like, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Like that's literally, and things that are out of your control, trust Allah to take care of it and be satisfied with any outcome because the outcome that you receive was the best outcome meant for you. You know what I mean? And even if you're, it's an outcome where you think it's negative, there's always positives to it, whether you see it now, whether you see it later on, or whether you, you see it on your akhirah, right? Mm-hmm. So there's just so many aspects to it. I just think it's so beautiful. It's such a relieving way to live your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's like you det- finally detach yourself from certain stress, like coming from someone who used to overthink everything. And even the things that were out of my control, I used to get really worried about all of this just teaches you like, you know what? I just need to trust Allah and he'll take care of it, right? You quite literally can't do anything anyways. Trust for the best outcome, no matter what that is. And it is the best outcome for you. Yeah. And work for it. Um, like the steps. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to tie the camel no, first, no, no, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to make sure like that was said because I, I know people take that for granted. Like, especially now that once you do it, you kind of forget about that. You kind of forgot all the work you put in and you like at least for me like i personally forgot all the work i put in and i was just like yeah like i was trying to like guided me and that is true he guided me right he enabled me um like he 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 was enabler he let me move and do that right but at the same time i did put in the work right and that was i was enabled to do the work so the thing is you just have to like i think remind people that there is work necessary in order to change it but at the same time it's only happening because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enables out to happen um yeah i mean also i think you answered so many of my questions during the like during that main talk that i don't really have any like direct general questions but i do want to bounce like one or two more ideas off of you if you have time if you're not in a rush yeah absolutely yeah. so um were there like any specific I guess I'm giving an example. Like, we just have a new brother who converted um, in our, like, city, I guess. And um, he doesn't go to our school, but we've been, like, you know, hanging out with him and taking him different places. And it's his second week or something. He's already got, like, understand this. From a Latino background, right? Like, he's no Muslim family members, Christian family members, and 19 years old. And he's already got, like, Fatah memorized. And he's, like, you know, he woke up with the Hajjah. And he, like, he was telling us that. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm, like... First of all, I got to up my game. But secondly, I was, yeah, I was secondly, I was like, hmm, what did I do that kind of like, like him right now, he's doing these things and he's just like, he's feeling Islam, like he's falling in love with it, right? And that's the thing, like Islam is a practical religion. It deals with your like mental, it deals with physical, it deals with your soul and, um, you know, and other things inside of that, like emotions, kind of mental, et cetera, et cetera. So specific practice wise, I guess, like what were the things that helped you the, like most, um, whether it be like you waking up at the Hajj, I mean, anything you're comfortable with sharing, obviously you don't have to share that what you don't want to, but, um, what were some of the like practices that kind of enabled you to get closer? I understand obviously things, no one really knows how it works. Like there is no way to yeah. pinpoint one thing. It is a combination of multiple factors. Um, but what were some physical practices you implemented that could possibly you think benefit others as well? Okay. Um, when I was getting closer to Islam, I think 
number one, your environment, like even if you're in an environment where you can't really change anything like school, be connected to the people who are Muslim and remind you about Islam, you know what I mean? Or people that encourage the morals and values of Islam as well. Right. So number one, your friends are so important. I can't reiterate that enough. They're so important. Do what you can to the best of your ability, whether it's MSAs or joining your Muslim like mosque and participating in like extra events or attending like local lectures. Um, me personally, I didn't do that when I was going through all, also because keep in mind that was during COVID and literally everything was closed in Canada. Like we literally couldn't even go to the masjid, but for me, my catalyst was more so listening um, to a lot of podcasts and listening to a lot of online lectures. Um, I know there are certain resources out there like I3 Institute um, and other like Islamic institutes that can teach you Islam for free online. But for me, I think the most practical was just literally listening to, you know, like, for example, Ahmad al-Shakri or like Amr Sulaiman or like Al-Maghrabi Institute or Al-Aqeen Institute, like listening to these scholars or imams or sheikhs talking about Islam. And you know what it was specifically? Like, I think I, you know, I really think that's kind of taboo. Like mental health is taboo in Islam, not in Islam. I take that back, but within the Muslim community, right? Mm -hmm. They really like to overlook a lot of aspects and they don't, um, I feel like the automatic response is to not validate any struggles that someone is going through mentally. And when I kind of started diving into or listening more so or, or being exposed to, you know, how mental health should actually be seen in Islam, I think that validation and knowing how to appropriate that um, was something that completely helped me and myself. Um, so obviously friends, my friends, um, literally shout out to them. I'm telling you, they pulled me through it. Um, online resources that you can, going to your masjid 100%. When I say read Quran, I always stress, understand it, right? I can speak Arabic, I can, well, to an extent, I can understand Arabic, right? But it's not like, it's my own dialect. When I read the Quran, I don't understand the words I'm saying, right? So literally taking the translation and reading through the translation of that, mm -hmm. right? You need it to, like, you need to understand and comprehend what you're actually reading. And you'll understand, like, SubhanAllah, like there's so many answers in the Quran. You know what I mean? Like you won't even, it's so hard to describe, but Allah comes out of reading the Quran and because it answers so many different aspects of life, right? Mm -hmm. Your meaning, what, how to act, why we act, you know, all these different things. Um, I think in addition to all that, like that, remember how earlier I was saying, like you want to live an Islamic lifestyle, you want to stay God conscious. So they could like, if, even if you're just like going out somewhere, having friends, I, I, going back to friends, just conversing about Islam. And that becomes like subconscious at one point when you talk about it so much, when you think about it so much, it's just embedded in you. You know what I mean? Like you don't think about something without thinking of, okay, what does this mean? Is this going to affect my akhirah? Is it, you know what I mean? Yeah. With that all being said, I just want to remind people it is normal to have ups and downs and fluctuations in your iman. Don't think that just because you're reaching like a lower point and you're comparing yourself to when you're at like your Islamic high or you're like a high point in your faith that, oh my God, you're failing and you're whatever. Anything, if anything, actually your worry 
and you recognizing that, you know what, my man's kind of low and I'm, and I'm worried, it's just a testament to your faith, right? If you're worried about your man not being as strong, that's a very good sign, yeah. right? And it shouldn't discourage you. It should actually encourage you to kind of get back on it. What are you missing? Am I, are you praying your salat? Are you like sitting down? I think something that really also helps is actually kind of just taking the time, like don't rush through your prayer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like actually sit down for a second afterwards, make dua, like read Ayasid Kursi, um, like just do something in extension to that. You know what yeah. I mean? I think all these things will help a person kind of elevate their Dean back yeah. or you know what? Like, find that spark. And at the end of the day, I hear the thing where it's like, don't, you know, when you, okay, have khushul, like khushul is like, you know, the focus that you have in, in prayer and stuff. I know I'm bouncing a bit everywhere, but I'm having a lot of thoughts at once about things that have helped me. Um, if you find yourself kind of struggling, understand what you're saying in salah, like whether it's um, the qama, like understand the adhan, understand like the actual words that you're saying in prayer, the surahs that you're reading, right? You want to understand all this and then it becomes that much more meaningful and you'll find yourself bouncing back that much more. Mm -hmm. um, and you also like, Islam is very gradual. You know what I mean? It's a, it's something you want to build sustainably, right? I always see people, um, and I actually have a friend, she's actually a revert. And she told me like something that she regrets is getting too deep way too fast. And then you get overwhelmed and then you kind of get like a shock and then you kind of just like plateau and yeah. whatever you deal with like, burnout and whatnot that 100 like that 100 applies to people born muslim too yeah. right if you're going through this phase of like oh you're learning islam you're being exposed to islam and whatnot right and you're learning so much and you're taking in so much and yeah. you're doing, like you need to build sustainable habits right if you're not praying at all start with promising your, promising yourself one prayer to do every single day mm -hmm. and obviously try to hit all of them but you need to hit like one and then you know a month later after you establish that one try to pray two on time every single day with you know the effort to pray all the rest mm -hmm. build it up to five if you want to memorize don't try to sit down and memorize 10 pages at once memorize like an ayah a day yeah. you know what i mean you want to build sustainable habits it's not about like you know just shocking yourself and then getting overwhelmed because you just end up like discouraging yourself once you get burnt out right so i think there's a lot of different things that come into hand when it's like the question of oh how do i get closer to islam or like how can someone start their journey and whatnot is a very big question. And to unload that, you have to look at all different aspects of life, like habitual, your environmental, your social, um, online. Like these are all things that can contribute to helping you. And speaking of just one last point, mm -hmm. a lot of people argue about this. Is something you said earlier, a lot of people argue about social media saying it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Mm -hmm. Genuinely. Like I think it's something that can be used for good or bad. Mm -hmm. Anything you do or anything that exists can be used in good or bad. And it's up to the user to determine the outcome of that, mm -hmm. right? The algorithm's not random, right? You train your algorithm. You will change your algorithm if you want to, right? Engage more with Islamic videos. Eventually, at one point, they're all going to be Islamic, put on, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Avoid the things you can avoid, right? Don't go, And physically, like, don't go to places that aren't good for you, like, stuff like that, right? There's so much benefit to online and online is honestly the tool for a lot of people for them even being exposed to Islam and then starting to learn about Islam, whether they were born Muslim or not. So it's not like a whole, I just, I never really liked it when people say, oh, social media is just a waste of time. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, honestly, it can be used in a tool that will 
that might end up in someone going to Jenna because it all started with this one video that they saw that changed their heart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and I, th- I like, I also like feel like what your recommendation is, is exactly what, you know, Islam tells us to do. Right. So to get closer, it says you have to grow your knowledge and like, you can't love something that you know nothing about. Right. Like, it's not like you love your parents because, just because it's because you you know everything about them you're like this person raised me this person does this at this time this person has these tendencies they have these habits right um so you can only really love something that you know you understand and the only way you can understand something is if you train yourself and grow your knowledge in that and the second thing that you said which i think i personally sort of implemented maybe you didn't say this directly but this is the kind of vibe i'm getting right is you have that knowledge aspect and then you also have this like falling in love aspect like what you're interested in so you listen to podcasts that were particularly obviously you you want to pursue what you're interested in interested in as long as it's within bounds like you don't want to be listening to something crazy that that has no validity behind it but like for me i fell in love with recitations like i like obsessed on recitations and like to this day i will like that because i saturated my life with the thing that i loved so Another thing with burnout is like you try and take intake everything, right? You try and take in everything, especially the fudd stuff, like you know, learning about prayer and like figuring out zakat and figuring out hajj and like you know, I'm just talking about like straight up fudd, like what's mandatory. But I realized that part of it is just like if you're new to things, and maybe even if you're a revert, maybe if you're someone who like stepped out for a little bit and is coming back to it, it's it's, it's sometimes helpful to just pursue what you love within Islam. It can be something else, like learning how to recite beautifully and like listening to beautiful reciters is not a bad thing and it's like it's not like the most mandatory thing like yes you want to correct your tajweed or like what you're like what you're saying first but all i'm trying to get to is like it seems like the general gist is that grow your knowledge and enjoy the process like don't just like force the process like if you love one particular side of it enjoy that side like you know and the same with friends right like find friends who are also enjoyable like it just becomes a part of enjoyment so First of all, great advice. I mean, I personally might have learned one or two things right there. But um, yeah, I think those things are all also recommend. That's the one of the beautiful things is that these are told. These are the ways that we are told that we can bring us ourselves closer to Islam as well. Like community is one of Islam is a community religion. It's not meant to be practiced alone. Like you get more rewards for praying in like with other people rather than praying by yourself. Why is that? Right. So these are all like indicator reasons. Yeah. Sorry. Just like one more thought. Um, like Islam is not like approaching Islam isn't a cookie cutter mold. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, is people might, you know, say, Oh, like do this, this and this. And like you said, do what you love in the terms of like Islamically, obviously mm-hmm. within those bounds and take that, like use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said, you like listening to recitations, 100% that will impact literally so many different things in your life. Right. If someone like me likes, I like listening to podcasts and lectures. Like, I'm now learning more. I'm absorbing more, and my love is growing because now I know more about Islam, and it just gives me that much more of a reason. If someone's more interested in like reading or understanding like um, tafsir or whatnot, like it's just different. People have different ways of approaching it, mm-hmm. and I also think like there isn't necessarily. Um, it's not also there's not no specific timeline right mm-hmm. to getting closer or this specific goal you know what i mean is very very situational yeah and 
I think sometimes people might get overwhelmed because they set unrealistic expectations yeah. of themselves yeah. or the community will put that expectation on that person, sure. right? Whether it's the online community, whether it's, you know, their actual physical community, student community, school community, like anything along those lines. And that's why, again, you kind of just have to take a step back at the end of the day, all these, you know, expectations are coming from things that aren't even from Allah's data, right? Yeah. He sees the smallest step that you take towards him. Yeah. yeah. Right. Someone, someone like right in front of you can just like completely look down on them and be like, oh, that's all you're doing. Yeah. When Allah SWT will look at that and be like, wow, like you're doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, but... it does. It does. I think I think one of the best examples of that is um how do I put this? Like it's people think that you know, they take one thing like, oh, you can die the next day. So I got to learn everything right now. But on the other hand, it's not like, and on the other hand, people think it's just those two things. You got to learn, learn, learn. Like everyone has to become a scholar or the other thing is like, oh, I'm not that, you know, religious. Like, yeah, I don't really like actively do it. But the thing is, it's as simple as like, say you're driving, right? Like somehow like, uh, just hopefully this doesn't happen. But the thing is, say you're driving and you're in a car crash, right? The thing is, even if that day you're not like super like looking at like, you know, the Quran and you're not like researching, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm, all I'm saying is you're not like being super scholarly, but you were listening to a recitation in the car and you crash your car, end of your life. You died with a recitation playing in your life, right? Now that was a small, small, small thing. That was a small piece of love with you and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we are told that those things, right? Our intentions matter so much. And that's why they matter is because you were doing it with a full capacity of love, even though the amount was little, right? And like, that's what's more important than being like a scholar, like every single day, like not every Muslim is going to be a scholar. Like that's just, it's not possible. Yeah. And I don't think you have to be like, a lot of people think that they have to be a scholar to be a good Muslim. Right. That's, right. that's completely not true. And I think that would just, if anything, deter people away. Like that literally just ties with expectations, right? Yeah. People think that it's like a give all or take all, like you're either fully in it or exactly. you're not. And the reality is like the gray area is so big, yep. right? Like, and literally any tiny thing can be that one reason why they get into Jannah, right? right? So I think that's actually a beautiful example. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, that that, that at least helped me. Like, I realized that. Like, I was like, okay, I might not be the guy who's going to be out there, like, giving sermons and giving the jumma, like, on Fridays, giving, like, khutbahs. Yeah. But, like, I can grow the knowledge and the things that I can grow it in. And the rest of it... I'll leave it up to my intention as long as my intention is 100% in it. So it's about refining your intention. It's about refining like your thoughts, right? If you can refine those, it doesn't matter at what stage you end, right? It's just like you're, that, that is what continuous growth is. Is like if you're able to refine those intentions, you'll constantly be growing. It won't matter what speed because it'll just be at the capacity you physically and mentally can, like what you were given. Like that is what you were given. But if you refine it, you know, that's all you can do. That's in your control. Um, I can go on for like nine hours, but like we're not going to do that because I don't want to bore you guys. But um, is there anything else you want to add? Because I think we're at an hour now and I'm down to do another episode like another time if people like are interested. For sure. But I think like this one really encapsulated your story. And I think if you keep diving more into specifics, it kind of takes away from that in some ways. So like yeah. I do want to like wrap it up at that. But is there anything else you want to add before we conclude i think we'll just leave it at that because trust me i talk a lot and i know i can talk more so we can always leave it for another time okay amazing um yeah okay well thank you for coming on 
um i hope everyone listening enjoyed that as much as i did like i i got into the like zone i was like okay i was like thinking about like oh okay this pertains to my life in that way this way so like that was definitely an amazing um story that like i mean your life is just that was amazing um but yeah thank you for coming on um and wow i'm still so shell-shocked guys (laughs) like I, i i don't i don't i gotta process this afterwards it's gonna take some processing but um I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate you sharing what you did. And I hope people see like another thing is like we are bringing on young creators who are Muslim to kind of show like in essence, it sounds corny, but you're not just a creator who makes Islamic content. Like there was a whole thing beforehand. There is a process. There is something like you don't just see someone and that's who they are. There's a whole aspect to it. And it was only an hour, but I hope it kind of shone some light on that. So thank you for sharing your story because that means a lot to me. And I'm pretty sure it will mean a lot to a lot of people out there, especially the young girls who get to listen to like that story because I don't hear it much often on social media either. So, um, Well, thank you for having me. And I really hope this did help like literally anyone in any type of way. Honestly, it helped myself too. Like I just conversations like this always benefit yourself just as much as it can for other people. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it was it was just... It was very exciting. It, it really was. And I really did enjoy it. So thank you so much for bringing me on. Of course. Thanks. All right. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Maybe it will be Safa's episode part two. Who knows? Okay. That's that. I'm